Hey guys, today on the show we have Gabe Halbert. Uh, coach Halbert is the head football coach for Winford High School. He's going to talk a little bit about uh, growing up in Crescent, Ohio, uh, being a ball boy for Mansfield Senior as his dad was the defensive coordinator there, and also who do we have to look forward to seeing on Friday nights this fall for Winford. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Bases Loaded Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Kennedy, and today I get to talk sports with another Gabe, Gabe Halbert. Coach Halbert, how's it going, man? It's going great, man. A great first name, you know. Must be a great guy. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of uh, we're kind of setting history tonight. That's right. <laughs> so how old are you and what's your profession? Uh, 40 years old. I'm a uh, American government and geography teacher at Pioneer, and I'm the head football coach at Winford High School. All right, so obviously uh, a big-time football guy, uh, not much of a choice as your, your entire family's big-time uh, football people. So how did you get your start with, with loving football growing up? What are some activities, events you remember um, about football? Um, you know, first of all, my dad being a coach was huge. Uh, my dad's been a football coach my entire life, uh, starting, geez, with the guy in T.I. Tigers when I was just a baby to transition to Mansfield Malabar and then Malabar closed in 89 to moving on to Kenyon College as their forward scout and then into to Mansfield Senior High and the T.Y. Tigers. So just been blessed in that regard to, to be around the game of football for so long. But really uh, growing up for us, it was, you know, your bases loaded podcast. It was the sport of baseball. You know, baseball was my family's love and uh, it was really, I think, my dad's passion and uh, I think his dad's passion, my grandpa Helbert, and there was so much baseball involved in our life, but football was also, my dad coached three sports and my mom coached uh, basketball as well. So certainly it was a sports environment growing up and, you know, really awesome experience to be a part of that. So what was, uh, obviously with, with an older brother, uh, what was your, your backyard situation there? And was it, was it pretty, uh, pretty brutal? Was the same kids you played with or what? Yeah, you know, uh, as, a, as a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, the backyard experience was huge. Uh, my brother, Zach, was two years older than me, and he was a sports guy as well, and we got very competitive. I can't really say I ever beat him much in anything, especially <laughs> fighting. <laughs> I had plenty of experience where he was he a little bit tougher than me. So, uh, But you know, the backyard experience was awesome. My friends in the neighborhood, uh, the Moyers, the, the Stanics, the, you know, the local kids, the Glowers, all those kids that we grew up with, and just played a lot of backyard football and man, we, you know, as a, as a, I think seventh and eighth and ninth grader, we actually built our own baseball field and called it Jacobs field junior. And we played tennis ball, baseball all day long with, with the kids in my grade and my brother and, and, and your good buddy and my cousin, John Amicone was part of that too. So uh, an amazing experience. You know, I think about back to that time and how free it was and how fun and really the only thing on your mind was, was competing with your buddies, you know, uh, just doing every sport when the season when the season was there, and I don't know, man, something you can never really get back. But, but I certainly love it. Yeah, it's funny you say that because uh, <laughs> that makes me think of. Uh, I remember growing up uh, when we played backyard football, backyard baseball, whatever it was. But then we every once in a while, you know, we had the basketball hoop out front, and anytime we lived out in the country, so anytime somebody would drive by, we'd always hold the ball and shoot right when they're driving by. <laughs> to make it look like nice. you were like nice. you're a star. Nice. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but but obviously if you miss it, it's like, oh I got fouled. You know, right. You, you so that makes sense why Amicon was always so much better, uh, because he's playing with the Crestline boys, right? 
That's right, man. I tell you, the Crestline kids and, and all the way back through the, you know, 30s and 40s and 50s, even to my generation, the amount of kids that played in the in the streets or in the fields or in the yards in Crestline was just an amazing experience. And it seems like we always found a pickup game of whatever sport was in season. And, you know, the Crestline kids were tough. You know, I grew up tough and it was fun to be part of. That's cool. So obviously being around, uh, you, you know, your dad with all the coaching stints, what was that like? Uh, were you a ball boy ever? Oh man. <laughs> it, it, it was, it was a dream uh, for a kid to, to be around the game and to be around, you know, the, the phenomenal talent at Mansfield senior high and Mansfield Malabar. Uh, you know, I, I love that it was me and my brother that got a chance. And I have a younger sister too. She was probably more involved with, you know, with things back home at Crestline and stuff. But with, with me and my brother and growing up with, with football is uh, something we could do on a Friday night. And actually to go to the two-a-days and stuff, I was a ball boy. I remember being on the sidelines in, in 1985 at Malabar watching Dan Barry play and, and uh, Eric Payton play as, as two stud athletes at that time. But, but man – Ball boying to me in the in the late 80s, really in the early 90s, was a critical job. <laughs> I felt that I had to be a a, a five star rated ball boy, and and ball boying was was major <laughs> major in my life. You can ask Johnny and how serious we took it. Uh, I I would pick him up later on. As a matter of fact, I didn't even play football my sophomore year, so I could continue to to be part of my my brother's senior year at senior high, and and I was a ball boy as a 16 year old sophomore. So. Uh, yeah, I did some ball boy in my day. <laughs> wow, I didn't, I didn't, because uh, I was a ball boy. But now I'm kind of looking back, like I, I made a lot of mistakes. I didn't take that much. <laughs> I respect, you know, because. Yeah, man. Hey, man. It was, it was the big time job. But the officials, I wanted them to know that that I was there for them, and I was going to do everything I could to make sure that that the game ball was taken care of. And you know what? There was, there was a few times they may have got a visitor's game ball too that came home with me. <laughs> Is that because you did such a good job they gave it to you? I thought I thought I earned it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. So uh, speaking with uh, sticking with Florida State, how do you compare with uh, was it Red Lightning? Was that his name? You know, Red Lightning, I bought the shirt because I loved how, how, how much pride he took in his job. I still have the Red Lightning shirt. I can't say I did it on that level, but um, he was the man, the way he would run down the sidelines uh, on big touchdowns in that 2013 season. Yeah, Red Lightning, he, he did it big. Yeah, because it wasn't like he did it and was like, hey, I, I know the camera's watching me. He did it because he loved doing his job. That was awesome. Correct. Absolutely. And I, I, that's what you want to do in anything, right? Do it because you love it and you're passionate about it. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, obviously uh, being the head coach at Winford, uh, you, you, had to, you ended up following a, a, a stud legend there uh, in Travis Moyer. What did you take away from him um, as him being a head coach that you try to instill in your kids in your program today? You know, uh, that, that's an excellent question. Travis Moyer, you know, he is a legend. Uh, he's a very close friend of mine, a guy that I've known since uh, we were riding bikes around Crestline as the regulators, uh, myself, him and his brother, Trevor. <laughs> uh, Trevor has been my best friend since the seventh grade. And um, Travis is just a guy that um, even going back, I, I thought about this yesterday, thinking about Travis as, as a 15, 16, 17 year old kid. Travis always sought perfection. He would play Tecmo Bowl. And if there was a incomplete pass in the game of Tecmo Bowl, that game was being reset because the game had to be perfect. And that's really how he, to, to talk about what I learned from him and, and what I took from him or tried to take from him. Number one, he was a perfectionist. He was a guy that he wanted the game to go perfectly. I saw it as a, as a, as a young kid, 
And, you know, moving, I guess, to continue to see and watch Travis as an assistant coach and be fortunate enough to coach underneath him. Uh, number one, he had a tremendous love, or he has, he has a tremendous love for kids. Uh, always put the kids first. Uh, and, you know, another thing I, about Travis that, that was really eye-opening to me was how much ownership he gave us as assistant coaches, but also the kids. There was always a sense that you had um, stake or stock into the program. Travis was a guy that um, you coached with him. You didn't coach for him. Um, he, he, every single person on our staff was equal. Um, and, and those qualities, I think, have led him to be phenomenally successful um, but you would never know that Travis is a, is a, is an amazingly humble individual. He doesn't have some win, um, uh, tracking his wins or some win count that he's after. He, he cares about doing things the right way. Like maybe a long winded answer, but <laughs> Travis means a, a tremendous amount to me. Um, you know, I think another thing, I, I guess that, that really was interesting to Travis and I didn't really recognize because I coached a year at Nordonia high school and that head coach Keith Bodeker, who also had a lot of success was very different. He was certainly more intense. And I think things change from game to game with Travis. It is routine. The routine is the exact same every single day. And that routine leads to familiarity, being comfortable, and I think it led to us having tremendous success. And I think you saw why we were so consistent from game to game, from year to year under his leadership. And, you know, him leaving as our head coach was, was a very sad day for myself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's good stuff, man. Cause that's, that's tough to, uh, you know, obviously come in and take over any job, especially when they've, they've kind of paved the, the foundation or, or set the tone, I guess. Uh, you know, I guess ideally you'd like to come in when, uh, you, you know, they've kind of not had so much success because there, there's a ton of pressure. You're already in the in the program and you're, you're going to take over. What was that like transitioning from assistant uh, to head coach in the same program? Because if you, you know, it's one of those things where, and I've, I've obviously been an assistant before, sometimes, you know, kids will, you know, the players will come to you kind of, uh, not that they're, you know, afraid of the head coach, but the head coach has got so much to do. Uh, so sure. they'll kind of hide in the assistant. And then now you go from, you know, the very next year into being the head guy. Was that tough? You know, I think there were, there were certainly challenges. There were pros and cons to that. Uh, you know, number one, I'll say this again, there, there has never been a time in my coaching life where it was anything better than what we did on the practice field with, with Travis Moyer as our head coach. My dad is our defensive coordinator and John Amacone coaching our defensive backs and the staff that we had around us. I mean, I go back to that. You know, I've been a head coach at Winford for eight seasons now and, you know, there was really honestly, outside of the kids, I'm talking about just my own experience, there was never a better time than being with Travis, John, and my dad. Uh, with that being said, the transition from being the head coach to the assistant coach, you know, the biggest pros of that, I knew that I knew the situation, I knew the expectation that we had, I knew the community and the kids, I knew who we had coming back. So that was, you know, there was familiarity there to, to step right in. But then again, you know, like you said, the I guess the tremendous pressure or um, the expectation of what we had done. You know, I stepped in as the head coach. We had won 58 straight regular season games. We hadn't lost a, a, a regular season game, you know, really in six years. We lost one in 2006. We didn't lose again until 2012. Uh, sure. I knew taking that job, you know, it was crazy. It was crazy. But 
I knew taking that job that that, that, that streak would end with me. And at some point in time after one of those games, I'd have to explain to reporters uh, and you know our, our football team that our streak was over. Um, but I knew that taking the job and I was willing to accept that. And I was honestly, excuse me, honestly, I was excited about that opportunity because my dream, you know, from a time I realized I wasn't going to be a major league baseball player or basketball player or a professional football player, <laughs> I was going to have to probably coach and to coach. I wanted to be a head high school football coach. So I did, you know, I guess I did accomplish a goal and a dream, but I knew it was going to be, you know, huge shoes to fill. I never wanted to, you know, replace Travis. I just knew that I was going to try to um, respect what he did and, and do whatever I could to uh, continue what he had done. And, you know, we've tried to, we've tried to do that. I don't know if anyone will ever do what we did again to win 58 straight or excuse me, it, it actually ended up being 63. Um, but, you know, you did bring up a great point to, I was the assistant, so kids looked at me differently, but that was, you know, our kids are phenomenal kids at Winford, and that first group in 2012, we were fortunate enough to make it to the second round of the playoffs, host a playoff game, and they were a great group of kids that uh, really matured from their freshman year until that until that season, their senior year. Okay, so you talk about the, uh, the winning streak a little bit, and I mean, it kind of makes me think, when you guys got that 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 first loss and like you said you, you know mm -hmm. you were prepared that's going to happen eventually um was that something where obviously losing losing sucks you don't want to lose you want to, <laughs> you want to win every time no matter what it is what you do but was it almost like a uh kind of a restart that, that following week going into preparation and scouting report or, or was it or, or did that live with you for a little bit that loss you know that that loss is always going to live with me. Like I said, I knew it was going to happen. I didn't want to have I didn't want it to happen against Ontario in a league game, but it did. Um, with that being said, I I kind of alluded to this earlier with the routine with Travis. It was it was business as usual. It was you know back to the grind. We have to find a way to improve what we made mistakes with, and and that was the truth with every single win that we had. There was never a film session Saturday where it was, man, let's walk around the room and pat each other on our, on the back and talk about how great we were. It was it was business. It was how can we get better? How can we continue to improve? And and that was the case Saturday morning after that Ontario loss. But you know, as a head coach and any type of coach, you know this as well that the the wins are great and the wins always feel great, but the losses always stick with you a lot longer. Absolutely. Um, let, let's not talk about that Ontario game for a minute. Um, are, are there any <laughs> other? Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other specific uh, moments, you know, maybe in the playoffs, uh, that you'd like to have back as an assistant or a head coach? That it was kind of one of those things where you felt like it, it just got taken away from you. You know, it was there. Maybe this, you know, bounce goes this way or that way, and, and you guys come out with the W. Is there any specific moments or games you can think of? You know. Uh... It's tough to answer that because you always want to give a tremendous amount of the credit to the team that beat you. You know, it wasn't us that beat ourselves. It wasn't anything that, you know, the team beat us. There were plays that they made that allowed them to win. With that being said, you know, I guess I will kind of blast some of that out there. You know, I think of 2006 at Defiance Ayersville, you know, we're winning that game by two scores and, you know, we're really, we're, we're going to put them away and we fumble and they return it for a touchdown. So now they're down at that time. I think they, they got the extra point. So now we're up five. Um, we get the ball and stall offensively punt to them and they return to punt, you know, just like that in a matter of a minute, we go from, we're going to win this playoff game and move on with a great phenomenal group of kids to we're packing up of our, packing up our equipment. You know, that one stands out to me. Uh, the 2000, 
2015 loss to Delta in the first round was also a tough one. I thought we had a phenomenal football team. We had you know, every piece of the puzzle that you want. We kind of, from a coaching standpoint, from my standpoint, I didn't do enough to, to allow us to have success in that football game. So those, those stick out to me. But, but honestly, as I've, as I've thought about this through, throughout my coaching career, is maybe it's not a single game that, that jumps out to me, but it's the 2013 season maybe more so than anything where I felt as our head football coach, I didn't do a great job allowing us to have success with the talent that we had. But, I, but it also taught me a lesson that talent, you know, talent is great, but it only takes you so far. You have to have leadership and cohesion. You have to have kids that want to be around each other and play for one another. And, you know, as a, as a head football coach, I have to foster that. You know, that's something that I have to do. And that's my primary role outside of X's and O's and everything. And, you know, I don't think in 2013 I did a very great job at that. Okay, let, let's move forward here as, uh, you know, football season, I guess, uh, if that's what we, we can call it right now, um, has <laughs> started up this week. Uh, you know, looking towards the, the fall um, and, and even, you know, into this, this summer as we get there. Who are a couple of players on your team right now uh, for the Royals that, that really have a lot to prove in, in your mind or the coaching staff's mind or maybe even the kids' minds? Wow. Uh, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a tough question because, you know, I think we did play a lot of young kids last year that kind of earned that lot to prove, I think, I think in the – season last year in 2019 but you know one name or I can I have multiple names that probably jump out of my head um Lucas Hackworth is a name Lucas is a kid that played a ton of football for us last year but was kind of maybe second or third in, in our receiver group you know with Seth Benedict graduating and Nate Embody graduating Lucas will really have to step up in that role he has to be a playmaker for us and, and he did later on in the year made some huge plays for us down the down the road and uh upper game in the Mohawk. So Lucas is the name. Cam Moon, our center, is another guy that's going to really have to have a great year for us. He played, he was our starter last year at that position, looking for more leadership out of him and really having a, I guess, a great all-league type year. Um, Kendall Blair. Kendall Blair is a junior. That's going to be a four-year letter winner for us. Um, played a ton as a freshman, played a ton as a sophomore, really needs to come into his own this year as a two-way football player for us. Uh, James Schieffer and Owen Whitmire are two more juniors that, that were starters or played a ton of football for us last year that we're going to have to really rely upon because of graduation. So those guys, you know, another senior, Matt Colleen, is probably a name that jumps in my mind that will have to play a lot of good football for us on both sides of the ball to, to try to, I guess, prove something to the league because we want to continue to try to win our league. So uh, what, what do you look for in a captain? Because obviously, um, you know, people do it differently. Some people have – you know, three captains, four or five. Some people just do a captain again. You know, whatever it is. Uh, what do you look for in that captain as far as uh, what type of leadership qualities should they have? Well, we want our captains to, to be servers first and have that servant leadership mindset where they're willing to serve their team first and foremost. Um, you know, uh, their, their star power, their skill, their ability is probably not the highest priority that we would place, but their ability to serve their team. Can they – can they make tough decisions for their teammates that maybe aren't popular, that, that might not have them be the, the, the prom king or the homecoming king, but they're going to serve their team for the, for the betterment of everyone. Uh, we're looking for guys that their stats aren't important, that, you know, you don't have to be a starter. You don't have to be a, anything. We want guys that are willing to sell out for one another, that, that are willing to be, I guess, the hardest worker in the room. You know, what that means is, I guess it's, it could, could mean a lot of things, but we're talking about the hardest worker in the classroom, the community, 
on the field uh, in our locker room. So we, you know, there's a lot of things we look for and it's, it's tough to find, but we've been very blessed throughout the years to have some phenomenal kids, phenomenal leaders and, and kids that bought into that idea of serving their teammates. Okay. So you, you mentioned uh, being able to teach at Pioneer, which is, which is a phenomenal school. Um, how sure. difficult is that not being in the same school with your kids? Cause you know, that, that's not, there's other coaches who have to, you know, do that. Maybe it, you're at the middle school and you coach the high school, whatever it is. Is that a difficult transition or is it kind of a um, little bit of time for you to, you know, get your mind straight, leaving school, getting ready to go to practice. Maybe you're, you're, you know, tweaking this or that with your game plan for the day. How is that for you? It, it's really worked out well because it's all that I know. <laughs> I've only taught at Pioneer and coached at Winford since I've been back in the area, go, going all the way back to 2004. Um, so that hasn't been, it hasn't been anything that I'm not familiar with or that I'm not, a, not used to because it's all that I've done as an assistant, as, a, as the head baseball coach, and now as the head football coach. I've always been at Pioneer. Very fortunate and very blessed to have some phenomenal staff members on our football staff who are teachers. Jordan Oliver's a teacher on staff, David Miller, Andy Amlin. Uh, Kyle Rawls been on our, or Kyle Skidmore is a kid that's on our on our staff now that teaches in our building. Kyle Rawls a kid that played for us that's on that has been on staff in the past that's in our building. So uh, Chris Solis was the guy who was on staff who was our athletic director and then our building principal. So we have had amazing support with myself not being in the school, but we have we have great uh, teachers and coaches that are that are in our school that do a, do just an amazing job it makes a lot easier for me not being there. So, and, and you also said uh, something very true to, to kind of be able to decompress from the school day to take that drive from Pioneer to Winford is something I look forward to every single day. Uh, with the way technology is today, the, the ability to share stuff so frequently and so easily, you know, over the internet makes it a lot easier too, where we're changing our script and our, our practice, um, you know, throughout the course of a day. Uh, so all those things have lent it to be very, I think fluid and the smooth, uh, it, it, for me at least, maybe the guys on, on our staff that are teaching at Winford hate that I'm out there. I don't know. I think the kids <laughs> like, so I don't see them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> uh, who, is, who, is, who is Gabe Halber outside of teaching and coaching? Obviously, you know, you, you kind of don't really know anything else other than, than, than sports, right? If somebody said, hey, man, you can't coach, you're like, I don't know what I would do now other than, <laughs> other than maybe play PUBG with Millward. I don't know what else you'd be doing, right? <laughs> there we go. There's the <laughs> PUBG Millward plug. I was hoping, I was hoping for that. Um, you know, I, I have an awesome wife and two kids. My wife, Ashley's a phenomenal mom and wife does a great job. She's a physical therapist and uh, really understands, I guess, the schedule of a coach and very fortunate and blessed to, to have her in our lives and, and my two kids. I have a daughter who's two and a son who's three, so certainly keeps me busy there. You know, really, uh, you know, sports, I think, are a huge part of me, but I, I never really felt I was just this football guy. I love basketball. I still play basketball a lot in the, in the winter. Uh, I love that. I, I love that sport, but I, I love so many other things. I love uh, the outdoors, love bushcrafting, love wilderness survival, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dork. I'm a nerd and I love anything that involves hobbies and learning, uh, certainly in the long range shooting and uh, precision rifles and just a lot. You know what it is? It's a lot of things that that allow me to still be that 15 year old kid, to be honest with you. That's who I am. I'm a, I'm a 40 year old man that has a 
15 year old's mindset. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, I mean, that's the best way I can explain it, man. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good stuff. So when you play, when you're playing uh, pickup basketball, what, what type of guy are you? Are you the dude that's like calling out plays? Are you setting screens? Are you, cause I would just be like chucking up threes and missing them, but you know, like what, what type of player are you? Well, I, I am that guy. First of all, I, you know, again, I love to win and love to compete. So playing it besides YMCA league, we've been fortunate to win that a few times uh, still recently, even, even as an older guy. So I'm the guy that tries to stack the team. So I have to do, all I got to do is chuck up a lot of threes and miss them. Cause we have dudes that rebound and, and score a lot of points. So. <laughs> I am definitely that guy now. Uh, we play with some great kids. Tyler Browsey plays with us, who's one of a, one of our you know greatest kids at, at Winford High School, and some other. You know, the nice thing is teaching at Pioneer. I recruit I recruit the kids who are who are good basketball players, and after they graduate, we try to get them on a YMCA team. Max Lloyd's a kid that plays with us, and Colton Moore, two kids that were really good high school basketball players, and we try to we try to stack the roster to win, man. <laughs> so, are you sizing these kids up when they're walking through the halls at Pioneer? I'll, hey man, hey man, I'll play them in one-on-one any any day of the week at Pioneer. I've played many kids in the arena. I even split a kid's lip wide open. He needed to get seven stitches when I played him in the arena once. So, like I said, I'll I'll still play and I'll try to keep that 15-year-old mentality. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What what uh, what would you say your is your favorite sports movie? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, you know what? It's the, the, the it's the best sports movie of all time. It's the only movie that you can watch or that I can watch from a sports standpoint. That every single time I watch it chokes me up. And that's that's uh, with, with I mean, it's it's I I have to say I can't even think of another one that comes close. Field of Dreams, man, it's got to be. Well, what's I mean, your favorite who, part? There's so many. It just what's I mean, thr- throwing with his dad at the end. Oh. I mean, if that make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, I mean, that's every single one of us. It's our dream as a kid. It's it's the memories that you have as a kid that if you're a baseball player and throwing with your dad and, you know, me and my brother's doing that. To me, when I see that and his dad takes off the catcher's gear and, and Costner recognizes it's him, it's like, yep, it might be some tears shed, brother. <laughs> yeah, dude, that – man, that's uh, – yeah, that's, that's a great – that's a great point. Have you ever been out there? I would love to go. Oh, I've never been out there. It would be awesome to see. Yeah, for that, sure. that, that would definitely be – that's for sure on my bucket list. Yes. Uh, what, one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best concert you've ever been to? Maybe something that you're maybe a little bit ashamed to admit. <laughs> oh, man, I would never be ashamed to admit any concert I went to, man. I, I listen, I'm a, I'm a nineties pop guy. I'm a, if, if listening to music makes you manly, I am the least manly person on earth. So <laughs> <laughs> I, would say, I mean, I, I know that I know the concert I was dancing around to and singing the songs the most without question was Justin Timberlake. <laughs> who, did, who did you go to that with? I went with my wife and I, I had a phenomenal time. I'll go again in a second. <laughs> so, so was that one of those things where she had to like beg you, but in the back of your mind, you're like, no, 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 trust me. I want to go, but you tried to act like you didn't really want to go. My, my, my dog, I bought the tickets, man. I bought the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about? No one had to beg me. I got online the day they came on sale and bought the tickets. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so you were nice enough to invite her. You're like, I'm going. I'm going to be gone that weekend. You can either come with me or not. I mean, of course. I think it was a wedding gift. <laughs> so. That is, that is I mean, fantastic. It, 
it probably wasn't too long ago. I was, I was singing and dancing. I want it that way in my kitchen. So I'm not above that brother. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, coach Albert, I really appreciate you uh, being on the podcast, man. And best of luck to you guys this upcoming season. For sure. Thank you. I love what you're doing, Gabe. I love podcasts and, and certainly enjoy yours. I love the local, uh, local scene and keep it up, man. Keep up the good work. Appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of the Bases Loaded podcast. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Basis Podcast.